Welcome to worship coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're glad that you've joined us on, at this pre-recorded service that will be recorded on Friday, June the 19th and be broadcast on June the 21st, Father's Day. And we're grateful for all of our fathers and pray that uh, this will be a great day of celebration for all of your families as you uh, celebrate uh, these special men in your lives. As we prepare to worship God, we uh, encourage you to make a time and space such that you can be attentive to God's spirit as we seek to experience the presence of God in the midst of this worship service and as we seek to praise God for all that God has done for us. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it and let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God.
Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God, that is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, in us, says the apostle. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With this great assurance, let us go to God with our prayer of confession. We fear to approach you with our confession, holy God, for you may require changes in us that are costly. You ask us to have the mind of Christ, a mind free of pretense and self-interest. You challenge us to lay aside our advantages to go where you send us. We fear loss of security if we are obedient. It is hard to see ourselves as exploiters when we pursue advantages for our families. It is difficult to consider others when we feel like victims. We confess our need for you and our desire to find your purpose for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sin, nor requite us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thank you. 
As the people of faith, let us say what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now's the time for you perhaps to get up and greet others that are with you in your home. And also perhaps you might wanna text a friend uh, a greeting in the name of Christ. And also we encourage you to watch this little video of some other members of our church and staff who are wishing to pass you the peace of Christ. Peace be with you. From Ontario, Canada, peace be with you. And stay well, everyone. Peace, peace be, be with, with you. you. Peace be with you. and welcome to Church of the Palms. As you know, each week we are so blessed by these talented musicians leading us in worship. And today, a special thanks to Mia Laity for her special talents on the violin. Thank you all. Well, today is Father's Day, and it is an interesting day, isn't it? Some of us um, have some memories, perhaps, and some emotions that are stirred up because of thinking about our dads, and that is where I find myself. My dad has been gone almost 30 years now, and I was a little sad this week as I was thinking about all that he has missed in my life and in my brother's life and in our families, and I sat down and felt those emotions and I'm like, I think I'm gonna write a haiku for my dad. And I'm gonna share it with you and maybe you'll be so inspired that you will write a haiku for your dad or about your dad. And if you're so brave, you could post it to our church Facebook page. And remember a haiku, there's three short lines, five, seven, five, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. And here's mine for my dad. Common sense. Strong, kind, pulls my car from ditch again. No judgment, only love. 
Well, it's a special day, isn't it, to honor our fathers, both biological and not, to celebrate those men who showed up in our lives and joined us on our journey with love and support. So happy Father's Day, everyone. Well, we have two brand new invitations for you to help you connect with your fellow members in this church family. They both are on Zoom, and we are looking ahead. We have our site set on hopefully August 9th that we will be able to gather in some fashion for live worship. But in the meantime, we thought it would be good to provide a couple of opportunities for us to continue to connect with each other. In both cases, you would sign up on the website uh, for the Zoom link, and we're gonna limit it right now to about 40 people for each gathering, and if it happens to be full and you are still interested, please call the front office so we can start a waiting list, and both of these gatherings will last about an hour. All right, so the first one is to have a conversation with Pastor Steve after he does his sermon. So on Monday mornings at 10 a.m., We'll, get, we'll gather to ask him some of those hard questions, to bring some things that maybe have moved in you or that you have learned or you're wondering about. So we just have a fun conversation with the pastor who has preached the day before. So that's Monday mornings at 10. And then on Friday afternoons at noon, we wanted to have a conversation with what we've been reading in the Gospel of Mark that week. It's not gonna be a class, it's not gonna be a teacher-student, it's gonna be a conversation so we can learn together. That class, that, that time together, will be facilitated by a pastor or another devotion leader. So we hope you will join us for one or both of those, and we look forward to seeing you on Zoom. Finally, I am here to remind you to take your pictures, red, white, and blue, and send them in to Jackie Gomez so she can put together a fun patriotic slideshow for us to enjoy on July 5th, but you gotta send them to her by June 29th. Let us continue our worship of God.
listen to one of Pastor Steve's favorite poems called The Secret by Denise Levertov. Two girls discover the secret of life in a sudden line of poetry. I, who don't know the secret, wrote the line. They told me, through a third person, they had found it, but not what it was, not even what line it was. No doubt by now, more than a week later, they have forgotten the secret, the line, the name of the poem. I love them for finding what I can't find and for loving me for the line I wrote and for forgetting it so that a thousand times till death finds them, they may discover it again in other lines, in other happenings, and for wanting to know it, for assuming there is such a secret. Yes, for that most of all. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we pray this day for your peace, peace in our relationships, peace in our families, peace in our nation, peace between nations, peace in our churches, peace between races and religions, peace in our talking and dreaming and loving and in our building the better tomorrow that you in your grace would have for us peace born out of your love and guidance, not out of our own frail efforts, peace from our fears of the virus, peace in the quest for justice and equality between all peoples so that no one need to walk in fear, peace for those who walk in danger in distant places and in our own neighborhoods to let freedom and opportunity root and find growth. Lord, we know all things are possible in your power and wisdom, so use us despite our limited understanding of fragile egos, we pray. Use us by your grace to share your love. Continue to use us as Church of the Palms people and friends to be your witnesses in our community and far beyond. Father God, on this Father's Day, hear our gratitude for all those good men, both our fathers and others who truly and faithfully taught us your love. Healing God, we pray for those who are ill and we ask for healing for them. We pray for those who are grieving and for those who are anxious or lonely or discouraged this day. We pray for those who have not found the way of your love in Jesus Christ so are lost in their lives. Let them hear the gospel in all its goodness and find their home with you, we pray. Now we bring all our prayers, spoken and unspoken, to you. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now it is the time that we called moment of grat a moment of gratitude. Jesus said in the gospel according to Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you are given. These words from Jesus reminds us of the many blessings we receive from God every day. It reminds us that it is our privilege, our privilege to be generous in our giving. Your gracious and generous offering will continue to feed hundreds of hungry people in the community. Your giving will allow us to reach out to neighbors near and far. Your generous giving will continue the mission work of Church of the Palms locally, nationally, and globally. More and more, we are seeing that the ministry of Church of the Palms has been, is here for such a time as this. You will see on your screen how you can give. Please go online and give through our website. Just click on the give icon. Or you can text to give 941 Nine, well, start over. 941-202-5125. 941-202-5125. Text to that number and you can give. You can give by mailing a check to the church's address on the screen and you can arrange a bank automatic withdrawal to Church of the Palms. That's my husband's favorite way of giving, by the way. Now, let us give to God who first give us very generously.
let us pray. Lord Jesus, for all the gifts that our people have given, we give you thanks. We are so glad that you have wrought a work of grace in our lives that enable us to flow with generosity back to you and your kingdom. May we be worthy in the stewardship of these gifts, and we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, they will be honored for the good of your kingdom. In his, your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Well, I have a couple of quick announcements for family ministry, and that is Miss Carol will be meeting for the Zoom Sunday School class for two more Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday, so you don't want to miss it. And then there will be a little summer break, but they'll be sending you some other special things. And second, I know uh, Miss Sarah and her team are reaching out to middle schoolers and high schoolers to make some plans, waiting to hear back for student ministry. Well, children, if you are around the screens by now, I wanted to share a little bit of time with you. Pastor Steve today has chosen some verses from Romans 12 and Revelation 10 to preach about. In Romans 12, 2, the Apostle Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be by a renewing of your mind, be transformed. And I thought, gosh, there's a couple of big words in that scripture passage that we should probably understand a little better so we can know what, what God is saying to us. So conformed and transformed. I wanted to use some Play-Doh and a balloon to try to explain. Imagine that this Play-Doh is you. And imagine that the world is trying, to conform, is trying to conform you or change you. And sometimes things can change us in the wrong way. Sometimes the friends we pick can change us. Sometimes the things we watch on TV can change us. Sometimes the things we read can change us or the things we listen to and it wouldn't be necessarily bad, but sometimes it can change us in the wrong way. And unless we are staying connected to Jesus, we might even be pressured to follow the crowd instead of to follow Jesus. And now I want you to take a look at this balloon. We read in the Bible that if we renew our minds with good things from God, we can be transformed or changed from the inside out. And I was thinking about what kinds of things are good from God that can transform us. I know, like going to that Zoom Sunday school class or coming to this Zoom worship. Yes, that's something good. Um, reading our Bible. Oh, I know what I preached about last week praying to God, both talking and listening. Here's another one. Hanging out with godly people, like your dad and mom and grandparents, like Miss Carol, like Pastor Mingy. Oops, lost a little that one. Ah, just kidding. No, we get a double for Pastor Mingy. Well, look at this. 
filling ourselves up with all of those good things transforms us from the inside out, helping us to look and act just a little bit more like Jesus. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind with all good things from God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for those godly people in our lives, for moms and dads and grandparents and Sunday school teachers and pastors, all those people who love us and show us how much you love us and they show us how to love you better. Be with each one of us. Amen. I will be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, 
what is God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same functions. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Well, before reading the second scripture this morning, I want to invite you to join me in something. Many of you have had the chance to view the interview I did with Reverend Calvin Lumpkin a couple weekends ago. Calvin is the pastor of the Light of the World International Church, a predominantly African-American congregation here in Sarasota. And we talked a couple weeks ago in our conversation mostly about the issue of race in the life of American society and in the life of the church. And I mentioned then that we have this small group of folks that we have that have been gathering and doing some reading and talking about these issues over the last six to eight months. And, and now with the racial events that have occurred and the passionate reaction that, to them across our nation, we thought, this little group thought it might be a good idea to broaden the conversation and invite the congregation as a whole to read something together for, and for those who wish to, to gather online to discuss it. No better time, I think, than right now to explore our feelings about race and society and the church this book I'm going to suggest that we read is a book of sermons written and delivered by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called Strength to Love. I've read the book and it contains some marvelous messages about race and justice and reconciliation. Dr. King digs into scripture and illumines for us the, the, con the consistent message of God's love for all people and God's yearning for us to experience justice. It's rooted, of course, in the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, but the, the themes are, and principles are the same as today. 
So I invite you to order a copy of this online somewhere and then read it. It's only about 160 pages. And then on Monday, July 20th, a month from now, we'll have a conversation for those who are interested. We'll be doing this on a Zoom call. And, and the way to get on that call is to go to our website. And on the home page, you'll be directed to a sign-up form to register for the discussion. Very much looking forward to our ongoing conversation here at Church of the Palms about how we can be a faithful witness to Christ's love in these times of racial strife. Once again, the book is Strength to Love by Martin Luther King Jr., discussion on July the 20th at 6 p.m. Now today, in the midst of our series that we're calling Living Well, we're going to take a look at another one of the great spiritual disciplines within the Christian tradition, the discipline of study. Last week, Lori shared about the discipline of prayer and solitude. Today, the discipline of study, the discipline of lifelong learning. So in the book of Revelation, there is this little encounter that the apostle has with the angel of heaven when he is given a book to eat you, you've heard of devouring a book. Well, in Revelation, in this spirit of, dis, the spirit of study, the apostle is literally commanded to do just that, to, to eat a book, to eat a scroll. So let's hear how that encounter unfolds in Revelation chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. Hear the word of God. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat. It will be bitter to your stomach, but sweet as honey in your mouth. So I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. And it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was bitter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. One of the formulaic elements often used in the composition of a tragic story is for a character to proceed to act with the wrong information. There is perhaps no sadder story in all of literature than Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, where two young people from warring families fall in love, and it's through the story that both of the families do whatever they can to keep Romeo and Juliet apart until that climactic moment when Juliet is given a sleeping potion such that she could feign death in order to avoid an arranged marriage. And, and when Romeo finds her seemingly dead, though really just asleep, he can think of no other thing to do but rashly drink a vial of lethal poison. Upon taking his last breath, Juliet awakes and finds Romeo dead, at which point she grabs his dagger, thrusts it into her chest, and she dies alongside her lover. And the story ends with the prince addressing the audience, for never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. One of the perils of life is when we are led to act on something that isn't true, when we arrive at conclusions, but with the wrong information. 
Some of us remember the story of Hiro Onoda. Hiro Onoda was this Japanese soldier who fought for the Imperial Army of Japan in World War II in the Philippines. And when the war was over, Hiro did not get the memo. No one in command had told him that he didn't have to fight anymore. No one told him that the battle was over. So Hiro kept fighting and fighting, fighting and hiding. And the government even dropped leaflets upon him to try to convince him that the war was over, but he wouldn't believe it. He, he thought them propaganda. He thought it a trick of the enemy. And it wasn't until 1974, 29 years after the end of World War II, that someone finally got to Hiro and befriended him to understand his story and then realize that he wouldn't surrender until he was relieved from his command by his superior officer. So they were able to track down his superior officer, who had long since retired, was now a bookseller, and he went up into the woods and relieved Hero from his command. Unconditional surrender had been given 29 years before. Peace had been established. Reconciliation occurred. But in all that time, Hero had been fighting. And sadly, 30 Filipinos had died as a result of a man who had not acted or believed the correct information. So maybe it's fair to say that fake news is not anything new. It is, isn't it, one of the perils of life that too often we are led to act without all the facts. I suppose to be human is not to have all the facts, but the greatest tragedies come when we've managed to blind ourselves from seeing the most important news that is right there in front of us. And, and maybe we have never been more at risk of getting the incomplete picture than in what I would call these days of suspicion. We are very suspicious these days, aren't we? With all the news channels and news outlets and social media platforms where the freedom of expression is most certainly exercised, it seems we grow less and less confident that what we're hearing is the truth. Interesting, the more information we have, the less confident we are that we're hearing the truth. We are not sure who to believe or what to believe. And so what we often do is we run down what they now call confirmation bias. Somewhere along the way, I've begun to think something, I've begun to believe something, and then my mind does this little trick on me where I start chasing after the information, the stories, the opinions that confirm my earlier bias. Uh, if I lean this way or that way politically, then I start listening and reading the people with whom I am most likely to agree. If I hold to something within my faith, then I will sooner or later just start reading or listening only to the people who will confirm what I already believe. It's just this human thing to do. I do it, you do it. And usually what happens is that I begin acting more and more on less and less information, and the results can be tragic. Strange, isn't it, what happens when we move along in life? We have this tendency to let the experiences of our lives, along with the earlier instruction we receive from parents or teachers or experts, to act within us a little bit like quick, dry cement. 
oh, this is what happened to me, and this is what I was told, and this is what I think was right, and furthermore, I find myself now turning on the same news channel and reading the same newspaper and consulting the same opinion talking heads, and now I have this increasingly narrow view of the way the world is, and I start tragically acting upon incomplete information. I fight wars that shouldn't be fought. I bring to end relationships that should never have been brought to an end. Now maybe it's at this point in the sermon when I should be saying to myself right about now, Steve, most of the folks who are listening to you are coming up now with all sorts of reasons for why this sermon is not about them. Maybe that's the case for every sermon preached, like the guy that comes out of church and says to me, good sermon preacher, I just wish my wife was here to hear it. Is it possible that what you're thinking right now is that you pretty much have the information you need, that you've been around the block enough times, that your mind has been made up, that you already know the flight plan, and the rest is just all fake news. All you need is more people to confirm your bias. I know I feel that way sometimes. So maybe that's one of the reasons when we look back upon the great Christian tradition, or for that matter, all the great spiritual traditions, there is this great spiritual discipline to which believers have always been invited, and that is the discipline of study, the discipline of inquiry, the discipline of intellectual and spiritual curiosity, the discipline of gathering and completing more the information. One of the great opportunities that exists as a human being, as a child of God, is that we have the capacity to have our minds chained, changed. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The renewing of your minds. Neurological researchers are discovering more and more the capacity of the brain to renew itself, to, to actually add brain cells. And, and one of the ways it adds brain cells is through study, through reading, by welcoming new information, by allowing yourself to consider new perspectives, by letting the liberal part of you consider the conservative view and allowing the conservative part of you to consider the liberal view. There may be nothing harder for us to do, but what's to lose except a brain with fewer and fewer cells? When I was a kid, I was a voracious reader. I read every day. I couldn't get enough of reading. In the morning, I would read the Detroit Free Press sports section from beginning to end. At lunchtime, I would read the sporting news about my favorite baseball team, the St. Louis Cardinals. In the afternoon, I would read the TV guide to consider what television shows I was going to watch that night. And, in the, and in the, later in the evening, I would dive into the rich compendium of literature called Rolling Stone magazine to learn about my favorite musicians. Such were the reading habits of my childhood, and I thought I had kind of covered as much of the world as needed covered. And then came college. And then came these professors that pointed me to more information, the, the great novels, the great political theorists, the great social scientists, the great biblical scholars, the great philosophers, and I, I never knew that world existed. We all had that happen to us in college, and I, I thought it was all about baseball. I thought it was all about the Detroit Lions. I thought it was all about Deep Purple. I thought it was all about the Michigan Wolverines. 
well, it really is all about the Michigan Wolverines, but there was this world out there that needed to be discovered, and there was a world in here that needed to grow. Holy smokes, thank God I didn't stop at the sporting news. Thank God Dale Hess introduced me to a different way of looking at American government. Thank God Bob Van Dale introduced me to the social gospel. Thank God Tom Gregory introduced me to Soren Kierkegaard. Thank God Kathleen McVeigh opened up to me the Didache. Thank God Bernie Anderson showed me the beautiful and complex world of the Old Testament. Oh, how small the world would be if these great people had not opened to me new information. And I suppose that's what this invitation is all about, the invitation to the discipline of study, to discover more the undiscovered world, to, to set sail like Marco Polo or Lewis and Clark or Sir Evan Hillary and to see the world from different vantages and shores, to act upon more information, and to encounter God in new ways. I suppose that's what we're doing in our invitation to read together through the Gospel of Mark, to open the pages of Scripture and allow the Word of God to seep in, to study the life of Jesus and to see if there may be something more for us to understand, to hear Jesus speak to us maybe in a way he's never spoken before, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to take that scroll, like in Revelation, to take that scroll, the sweet word of God, and swallow it, and maybe it upsets our stomachs, but that's okay, because we're learning new things. We allow Jesus to say to us a new word, show a new view, push us down a new path. Take up and read were the words that St. Augustine heard way back when he was just an aimless party boy. Augustine heard the voice one day that said, take up and read. So he reached for the closest book at hand. It happened to be the Bible, and he opened it up, and the first words he read were, let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And the rest is history the beginnings of the renewing of a mind and the birth of one of the great leaders of the church. Imagine what the world would be like today if young Martin Luther King Jr. had not gone in 1950 to hear an address delivered by the president of Howard University, Dr. Mordecai Johnson, when he talked about the teaching of Mahatma Magandhi. Imagine if he had not gone out the next day and bought every book he could find on the leader of this movement of nonviolence. Imagine where the world would be if King had not opened his mind to this new way of thinking and acting. Christ showed us the way of nonviolence, Dr. King said, and Mr. Gandhi showed us it could be done. I'm not sure where I would be if I had never read Letter from a Birmingham Jail. I'm not sure where I'd be if I'd never read To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm not sure where I'd be if I'd not read A Man's Search for Meaning or The Brothers Karamazov or Mere Christianity or The Road Less Traveled or in, in the Spirit of My Father, had he not insisted that I read The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm just not sure where I'd be. I, not that I'm the cat's meow, but, but, but I'm not the same having read those books. 
And here's the thing, think of where you and I have yet to go. The study not yet done, the horizons not yet viewed, the perspectives not yet gained. The more you know, the more you know what you don't know. Too many books, yes, but too little time, yes, but the journey begins right with the first one. Maybe it's the Gospel of Mark. Maybe it's Dr. King's strength to love. I feel like I have so much more to learn and study about race in America or the novel yet untouched, or the, the book by someone with whom you vehemently disagree, or the newspaper you avoid like the plague. Take the scroll and eat, said the angel. Sweet to the mouth, but bitter to the stomach. But that's okay. Transformation was never supposed to feel good, and the renewing of the mind is worth every growing pain. You know, there's an epilogue to our friend Mr. Onoda's story, after he had gotten the news, the real news, not the fake news, but the real news, it was the beginning of a new path. No war, no more. Instead, he later began a school for children that they might learn about the value of peace and life. Peace and life. Ain't going to study war no more. Strange what can happen when you change the channel. Strange what can happen when you get the whole story. Strange what can happen when you get the real news.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.